It's sex and the Sarah Rose story. I'm Glenn Klein. Sarah, what's your story? Hey, Glenn. So today the story is about women having sex with women. <laughs> so I thought that'd be a fun topic. Why do you laugh after you say that? Because uh, I like to laugh. It makes me feel good. It's a good reason. So you're, you're just talking about good old-fashioned lesbianism. Just good. Well, I don't know that's necessarily lesbianism. I mean, what if it's two bi girls having sex, then I mean they're still bi, they're not lesbians. Yes, but the actual sex is lesbianic, if you will. I guess. But no, I don't think so. I think it's 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 bi. I once was with a very good friend of mine who was more than enthralled with this one particular woman. And we he had me going over to her house with him, basically as a wingman. And her and her sister were there, so it was my buddy, the girl that he was infatuated with, and her sister. And somehow the conversation came up that their two ex-boyfriends used to have sex with each other as well. And so I said, oh, they were bisexual. And they said, no, they're, they were straight having sex together. And I said, yeah, but by definition, if you're having sex with the opposite sex and the same sex, then you're bisexual and it's all good. They were infuriated with me, and my buddy who was infatuated with the one girl wouldn't back me up on that. Are we too hung up on labels? And they, you know, they were maybe. I've come to the point now. It, why put a label on anything anyway? But how important is it? And we see a lot of people in the LGBTQ community get very upset. Remember back in the day that uh, gay and lesbian people didn't want to include bisexual people in this. Oh yeah, I mean it is still like a thing that bi people aren't really you know, included and it can definitely be like a lot of lesbian women look at bi girls as like, oh, they're just, you know, experimenting. They're not really, they're not really attracted to women, things like that. Uh, so yeah, it's a thing that they definitely get really hung up on labels, but I mean, I can still see with those guys having sex and still not feeling like they're bi or gay, that they're straight. Like, if they're, like, maybe they were just, you know, having sex, but there are definitely cultures in the world that view men that have sex with men still as being straight. And they can have sex with men, they can have sex with women, but they're still straight. It's just, like, there's a cultural thing there um, that in their minds is different than being gay or being bi. I just think, <laughs> I, I just think the whole labeling thing is ineffective. Ultimately my co-host on sex in the pews is a young woman named Tawny September. That's her actual name. That's not her stripper name. <laughs> it's Tawny September. She describes herself as queer and she has a boyfriend. She likes to have sex with women. The definition of queer that has been proffered recently, that I, I love it, is that you're pretty much open to anything. No matter how the other person identifies themselves, you're open to love, you're open to energetic connectivity. How does that feel to you? 
Yeah, I mean, that feels good. And it's it's funny with the word queer because Case, my gay husband, and I were actually discussing queer a couple weeks ago. We were like, what is the definition of queer now? <laughs> he's, he's a gay man. I'm a bi woman. Like, he's a lot more in, you know, that world than I am. Um, but, like, we, even us, we were just trying to figure out. We didn't know what the current definition of it was. So good to know. Thanks. Yeah, I, I like that. <laughs> and we've had other guests on the show that have identified themselves that way as queer. I think down the road, because we know that there were sophisticated societies throughout history that people just had sex with each other. They didn't identify. There, there were sexual orientations. It's just that people enjoyed sex. It's not mm-hmm. that these societies didn't have other issues. But sexual repression in ancient Rome, for example, and Greece wasn't one of them. Uh, right, they just loved sex. They just enjoyed <laughs> sex. And, you know, one, as you said, you could be oriented towards women, but a lot of times guys would give their uh, assistants, uh, their, their men um, protégés, a blowjob as a, as a tip, if you will. They, w- they, they would take care of their tip for a tip, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Right. And it's just sexual pleasure. It's not about like, I mean, it's not about being gay or straight. It's just sexual pleasure, pleasure and enjoying that you're feeling um, sexual turn on and it's being reciprocated by somebody and just enjoying it in the moment and not getting all in your head about what it means about you, what it means about the other person. What does this mean about our relationship? Blah, blah, blah. You know, we get in this culture that we're in now, we are so in our heads about everything when it comes to sex and putting so many rules around it, so many labels around it. And it takes all the fucking pleasure out of sex. So no wonder people are miserable. <laughs> like, I get calls every day with people who are just miserable when it comes to their sexuality. And it impacts their entire lives. You know, it impacts the way they show up at work, show up in their relationship. And it's unfortunate because it's like sex is designed to feel good. It's designed to be amazing. And Yet most people are not having amazing sex. And it definitely was something that um, was very strategically, you know, done to society to suppress our sexuality in order to control us, right? Like if you if you neuter a bull, like it will become docile. And so we have so many neutered people walking around, just their sexuality has been suppressed from an early age. They've been told that it's bad, that it's wrong, that, you know, it has to be this, it has to be that, can't be this, can't be that. And people are just, they're just not happy, you know, and you can see it everywhere you go. There's so many... Someone like me that expresses my sexuality and has fun with it and enjoys it, you know, there are a lot of, I get a lot of love, but I also get a lot of fucking hate for that also. <laughs> right. And, the, and what I was saying is that those people that are hating on people like us that are sex positive, they're just projecting their own self-hatred onto the, the, the target of their hate. They're, they're really feeling jealous. They're feeling self-loathing. And it, it is projected out. And then it gets to the point where sexual predators and rapists and molesters are feeling bad for their sexuality and have, in fact, 
uh, a, a mentor, a coach of mine, did a study one time of the serial killers, not mass shooters. That's a relatively recent phenomenon, but serial killers uh, throughout recent history, and almost all of them are from sexually repressed religious families, down, right down the road. Well, I mean, I think most people in general are from sexually repressed religious families. It's just part of society, you know. So the mass killers, you, you know, absolutely. But there are plenty of people that aren't ma mass killers, and they're still in sexually repressed societies so, or families. And, like, that is just the reality of the culture that we live in, you know. And so even as culture changes and people are becoming more open to sexuality and less confined in uh, religious ideology around this, it still really impacts us deeply because of so many thousands of years of it being ingrained in us. And so people, you know, they maybe on the exterior, they put out there that they're more free and open sexually, you know, having sex outside of marriage, hooking up on Tinder, things like that. But internally, there's so much conflict that they still have. They're still really feeling um, the shame, the guilt, you know, all the stuff, all the negativity that they're doing something wrong that, you know, at some point this is going to catch up with them. Maybe they're sinning, you know, all of that uh, stays inside unless there's real, true, deep healing work um, around all of that. Which gets back to one of the most basic and important elements of the sex stallion training and the man on fire is doing the shadow work. Because if you don't deal with the shame and the, the dark aspects of who you are and how one has developed... You can't step in to that sex stallion role and become a, a master of sex. Yeah, I mean, specifically man on fire, sex stallion training is um, the fundamentals of tantric sex. So it's just the physical practices. We don't go into the emotional or psychological uh, components of it. So that's all in man on fire. But absolutely, like that's where the true healing is and like really, you know, doing that shadow work helps liberate from. Uh, just the way we self-sabotage due to the programming that we have. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, we've got a question from uh, Aaron Hickox, uh, Cards for Humanity. Let's talk about sex later on that will deal with this uh, and the importance of, uh, of self-love, if you will. But before we do every program, and we know you people are enjoying the show from around the world, please uh, do not hesitate to uh, tell your friends. Please do tell your friends about sex and the Sarah Rose story. And it's on Podbeam and uh, Apple Podcasts and all those wonderful places where you can find podcasts. That's how the program will spread. And, and as important as social media is, and it is, it's still good old-fashioned word of mouth. Just tell your friends that it's a pretty cool thing happening, uh, a tantric activation and sex and the Sarah Rose story. But before we do each show, we talk about what we're going to talk about, what the topic is. And there's a level of going with the flow or an energetic pull towards something a lot of times. And today was one of them where you said you want to talk about sex with women. Why that today, coach? Well, for me, I always follow my pleasure. My pleasure is my true north. And I had one topic that I was thinking that, you know, it made sense to talk about and, you know, that type of thing. But I wasn't feeling 
um, a lot of pleasure going that direction. Like there wasn't that energetic charge or was an excitement about it. And that was why literally last second I'm like, well, this is what I'm feeling lit up about. So let's go that direction. And that's really how I live my life is like, pleasure is my true north. Where am I feeling lit up? And that excitement is is something that people can feel, you know, like they can tell, are you just talking about something because you need to, or, you know, are you bored talking about this or like what's exciting? And so, so yeah, I was like, let's do this instead. It feels more exciting today. <laughs> so woman on woman sex, what's the difference be- besides the obvious difference of uh, male and female sexuality? What is the biggest difference when either you or women in general have sex with other women? I I feel like it's a lot more equal. Um, There's definitely, like, I feel like there's um, more of both parties getting really satisfied when it's two women together. with it can be um with men and women you can definitely both get satisfied um but there's just like more of a balance actually when it's two women together uh and it's fun i really like it um (laughs) it's like i mean there's definitely um it's a lot more difficult to be with a woman than it is to be with a man. So I have sympathy, guys. <laughs> I know what you're going through when it comes to pleasing a woman. Uh, like there's a lot more that goes into it. I but I also feel like the reward is so amazing. Like when women orgasm is just so incredibly beautiful. And to be able to watch women, like, when they're coming, it's, like, honestly, like, one of the most beautiful things that I ever do. So, uh, yeah, but um, I have to say, like, those are some of the the big differences. Uh, and... Um, Why is it more difficult with... A lot of guys are saying... <laughs> Amen, coach. But 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 why specifically did you say that? Why are women more difficult to be with and to make love to than men are? Yeah, well, so, I mean, with women, there's a lot of shutdown, and so they can have difficulty in orgasming, um, more difficulty than a lot of guys do. Like, for, for men, it's, it tends to be more it tends to be easier for them to orgasm quickly. Um, with women, it often takes more time and you've got to, you've got to do it right. (laughs) You've got to make sure you're stimulating the clitoris in the right way. And, you know, using the right amount of pressure and, um, you know, touching her G spot in the right way and not going too hard, not going too light. Um, like being really careful with the cervix to make sure that you're not penetrating the cervix before she's like really turned on and opened up and, you know, being super gentle there. So it's not painful for her. Uh, So all of that, there's a lot of considerations. When did you know that you were 
turned on to men and women? How old were you? What was the situation? As we enter in to story time with Sarah. <laughs> uh, I would say probably like around 18 or so. I don't remember being attracted to girls when I was younger, like not really in grade school. I don't really remember it in high school either. Um, whereas I definitely was attracted to boys then. Um, but I'd say probably like maybe around 17, 18, 19, somewhere in there. I started Angelina Jolie was my first girl crush. And like, I just thought she was like the most attractive, sexiest woman on the planet. And I was really turned on by her. Like it was definitely a sexual attraction. Um, and then, uh, I really was pretty shut down sexually for quite a while. And so I wasn't, um, I mean, I, I shouldn't say like I wasn't attracted to or turned on by people, but it just wasn't something that I was very present with. Like I had a lot of shutdown. So, um, coming out of that, I definitely was feeling, um, attracted to women again and men and everything <laughs> just attracted to a tree, you know, <laughs> like, Oh, the air, the wind is blowing on my body. Okay, I'm turned on, you yeah. know, <laughs> that type of thing. Uh, so, yeah, it's definitely been a, a part of me for my adult life. Were you more open as a teenager and adolescent than you were as a young adult, it sounded like? Uh, yeah, so I was very turned on. Like, I remember middle school. Um, even before that, like I was boy crazy, you know, wanted to like chase boys on the playground, that kind of thing. <laughs> so, um, and in middle school was when like it started to get shut down. Uh, but I still like, I had a boyfriend in high school, um, and he and I, like, we never had sex that wasn't acceptable, you know, but I was definitely desirous, right? Like, I was really turned on. So, in high school, I was very much like that. Um, and then after that was when I really started to shut down more. So, why do you think that uh, happened? Um, I had some things go on personally in my life, and, um, that just really impacted me in a big way that, uh, yeah, it took a long time to recover from. When you were, uh, ha when you had a boyfriend and when you first realized, for example, that you were turned on by Angelina Jolie, were you masturbating? So I didn't start masturbating until, uh, probably like early twenties. Mm -hmm. And even then, um, I didn't really like, it wasn't something that I could have like really amazing orgasms from. And until I started using a vibrator, that was the first time that I was like really had orgasms. Do you remember the first orgasm you had? Yeah. Like with a vibrator, it was just like fucking incredible. My entire body shaking. <laughs> so you were, you were in your, your early twenties. Uh -huh. Were you thinking about Angelina Jolie? 
No, fantasy has never been a huge part of sexuality for me. So, like, I've I've used fantasy to get off, like, when <laughs> this is, I mean, something that I tell people to, to not do. But for me, it was, like, shows that I was at the end of the relationship and needed to be out. Like, I remember being with a guy for, you know, a few months and I just was not into it anymore. And I, and at that point in my life, like I was having, I was like easily able to orgasm, but I was just not into this relationship and wanted out. And I quickly did, but like I was having to use fantasy to get off and have orgasms at that point. But you know, for the most part, like sometimes I use fantasy very consciously, like I'll use it um, for a specific purpose. Like if I feel like I'm just wanting, you know, to do a tantric ritual and feel the power of Shiva and like I want to have sex with Shiva, like I'll use that type of fantasy. Or even when I was like with my tantric lover, like having sex with him, uh, and like letting him know like that I was fantasizing that, you know, he was Shiva and, you know, so that's, that's a way that I consciously use fantasy rather than just the other type that I'm talking about, which is more escapist. And, and that's something that you don't recommend if at all, when people are either, um, monogamous or, for whatever reason, the guy is having a hard time getting off. I, I coach mostly guys, and I say go to Fantasyland all the time. If, if you want to finish and she's done, and why not? Well, I mean, if that's if that's their intention, but it really is more, that's an av- avoidance technique, ra- you know, rather than dealing with the situation that's at hand and, you know, figuring out what to do to make the sex you are having amazing, then... You know, if you if you don't want to do, some people don't want to do that work, and it's easier to <laughs> fantasize. Well, I, and, and sometimes you're in that moment, and you know, it's there's there's no work to be done at that point. It's either either, either you're going to get it done or you're not. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, in in my case, I the, the work was to get <laughs> out of that relationship yeah, because yeah. it just wasn't it wasn't the right one for me right. to be in. But you know, it's you can the sex is being present sex like the the amazingness of sex is being present it's being in the moment it's feeling the sensations of and if it's not feeling good if the sensations aren't feeling good then there's something wrong because it's meant to feel good and so i my encouragement is to figure out what's going on so you can fix that and you can have the actual sex you're having feel good without needing to go into fantasy so walk us through the process that led to the moment of your first orgasm. Were you were you aware that you weren't orgasmic? Uh, so I was living in New York City, and I actually like to this day I still watch reruns of Sex in the City like weekly. <laughs> it's like my favorite show ever. So I was watching Sex in the City and um uh which one one of the girls had the purple rabbit vibrator. And so I was like, 
all right, I'm going to go. And I went downtown to the West Village and found the store and like went in there and got a purple rabbit. And that was my first vibrator. So that's how that happened. But you were aware that you had never orgasmed before. Yeah. I mean, I knew that it was that there was more that I was not experiencing. All right. So you're down in the village. You get a purple vibrator, the purple rabbit. And then you're going to town at some point with it. Mm -hmm. And then you finally experience orgasm for the first time in your life. Mm -hmm. That must have been incredible. Yeah. I mean, definitely changed my life for sure. Okay. So <laughs> the first time that you achieved orgasm at that point, how long did it take you? Oh, I mean, with the vibrator, it doesn't take any time at all. No, no, no. At that moment, though, the first time that you that your vibrator the vibrator touched your vagina, your clitoris, your vulva, whatever that was inserted, how long did it take you? Probably like I don't know, less than a minute. Uh, <laughs> 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 what were you thinking after the fact? Like, what the fuck have I been doing? What have I been missing? <laughs> Exactly. Like I've been missing the fuck out. <laughs> How many times did you bring yourself off in that session? I don't remember. Like just I, I don't I really don't remember, but I I know going forward uh, it was definitely several times <laughs> before <laughs> I was done. <laughs> so all right, so you get up and you go to work that night or the next day or what? Your life—you had to be seeing life from a completely different vantage point and prism at them at that moment. Yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, and this gets back to what you were saying about when people are miserable about their sex lives. There's a still a significant uh, percentage of women out there that have never achieved orgasm. And I'm not talking about women in their 20s. I'm talking about the overall popula female population on the planet. Yeah. This is one of the reasons people are so miserable around the world. Because mm -hmm. if the, if the women, women can't achieve orgasm, then their partners cannot receive the blessing and the pleasure of giving pleasure. Or as much pleasure as could be received. You talk about a, a, a vicious cycle in society. Holy moly. Oh, yeah. I mean, I get on calls with guys all the time. And they're, you know, they're talking about how much it means to them to bring pleasure to their partner. How it's even more important to them than it is their own pleasure and satisfaction. And I get that. Like, it's so beautiful when... A woman orgasms and like the sense of accomplishment when you're like i did it <laughs> like, it's amazing right and so you know it, and it's just a beautiful thing and i mean i love bringing men to orgasm also like it's also feels amazing um both ways you know like i'm happy like just giving guy a blowjob and you know like i feel so fulfilled and satisfied knowing how i made him feel so it's yeah you're right it is a vicious cycle when two people are together and you know there's not they're not able to experience that together it is a shame when people don't enjoy and are not proficient at giving oral sex i mean it's just like 
the the level of missing out that there is in a couple or just in an individual's lives who just doesn't enjoy uh, giving head is, it's a shame. It really is. Yeah. And there's still a lot of hang up that people have around it. You know, of like, what does it mean? And is that dirty? And I'm being, you know, a lot of women feel like it's, it's, it's something that's dirty and it means it's demeaning about them, things like that. And there's porn that has portrayed it in that way. And so, and then there's also like religious things, you know, that have been said about, uh, oral sex and also anal sex too. And so it really does impact people and it's a big hang up. Um, and it's unfortunate because there's so much pleasure available there. So if you had to break it down to the preponderance or the percentage of men that you've been with compared to women, where would that be at? I've definitely been with a lot more men than women. Okay. A lot. But but enough, uh, but enough women that you have a pretty good sampling of how that experience is. Yeah. I, I can't even remember how many women I'm trying to think at this point. But, um, I mean, I've definitely been with plenty women, uh, but not as many and not as often as with men, but I do, I really like it. And, um, what's the last time you dated a woman? Uh, well, I've been dating a woman since, uh, January. So you're, you're currently in a relationship with a woman. Well, I mean, I'm dating a woman. (laughs) Well, you have a relationship with her, obviously. It's, it's, you, you know each other. You make love with each other. You probably chat once in a while on Facetime or whatever. That's called a relationship. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a relationship. I, I mean, I'm not in a place of like, okay, this is like my girlfriend kind of thing yet. But, um, but I see her as much as I can like if I'm going if I have time or if I'm going to make time to see somebody I'm making time to see her so yes and how did you kids meet uh we actually met at one of the gay bars yeah we were there dancing and she was by herself and I was waiting for case he hadn't gotten there yet so I just went up to her. She was standing at the bar, and I went up to her and asked her if she was there by herself, and she was, and we ended up spending the rest of the night together. And did your gay husband, Case Erickson, approve <laughs> of this new liaison? So as you know from the show with Case Erickson, he um, never will tell me like should or what I should do or what I shouldn't do. So there was, there's no approval or lack of approval, um, except in very, very rare cases where he knows that I really should not. (laughs) But in the subtle clues that case gave you is, is is he enjoying this connection thus far? Do you think? Yeah. 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 He hasn't, he hasn't said anything (laughs) negative about it. So our, when, when you're with a woman, in uh, a dating situation like you are, are men or women to have more of a tendency of being jealous in those situations? I think it depends on the person. Uh, I have not sensed any jealousy. Uh, She follows me on Instagram and she just thinks I'm funny. (laughs) (laughs) 
she's like you're just funny she's really sweet and um yeah so she's and i i like that she's not in um my world at all like all the stuff that i do like she's not like in that and so when i'm with her i get to just be with her you know and i'm not having to think about work or talk about work and it's just like it's an escape honestly from like all the other stuff that i deal with all the time and because I'm a men's sex coach, there's often a lot of insecurity that guys have when it comes to having sex with me or they're like wanting, they feel like they have to prove something and there's none of that with her. Like we're just us together, you know, and it feels very simple and pure and easy, which is nice. What kind of business is she in? Uh, so she actually is pretty new to the U.S. She's only been here about a year. So she's in school right now. Um, and then she's working, um, uh, she's working somewhere while, she, while she's in school. Where is she from? Columbia. Ooh. she hot? She is hot. Yeah. And how old is she? Mm, I'm not saying. Well, I mean, is she, is, is, is are, are you the, um. Are you the older woman in the relationship? Let's put it that. <laughs> uh, we're, she is she is a little bit younger than and me. And in a in a woman on woman situation, is there a top, if you will? Typically in gay relationships with guys, there's I mean they can they can be versatile too, obviously. But typically there's like the husband and the wife or the top and the bottom. How does that work out with women on women? So with the women that I've been with, most of them have been bi or bi-curious. Uh, and so it there hasn't been a top or a bottom, like it's been verse. Uh, and it's, it's like that in this relationship also. She's not bi though, she's a lesbian. Um, but it's, but there's like, we just both are top and bottom. Is she particularly feminine or dykey, or you know how what what what, what is she a type of woman that you would be attracted to generally, or it was there the energy connection that circumvented that? Uh, she's very beautiful. She's definitely feminine, uh, and yeah, she's the type of woman that I'm typically attracted to. Mm -hmm. And my old mentor in this who, who passed away, unfortunately, a number of years ago, she was a former madam in Las Vegas, a brilliant woman, Madam Sherry Ford. And she used to say, opposites attract, but they should never get married. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I would say to Sherry, but by definition, men and women are opposite. And she would say, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but in this case, would you... Would you adhere to that that opposites attract even on, in a woman on woman situation i i don't feel like she and i are opposites i think that we have a lot of similarities like she's um she's very strong and intelligent she's um confident and uh yeah i mean i think a lot of the attributes that i see in myself i see in her also and that's attractive to me you know like i've really developed myself to be the person that i am and um 
So I admire that in her as well. Do you feel that that you are in the dominant role in the relationship or in the uh, the, the, the bedroom? Mm, not necessarily. Uh, you know, she's definitely her, like in her own power. So I like that. Like, there's no neediness. You know, I don't, I don't get anything from her of like, oh, I haven't heard from you in a week. You know, like any of that kind of bullshit. You know, it's just like we're just happy to see each other and be with each other. And, um, yeah, it's so far it's been nice and easy. Yeah, but see, that, <laughs> That's on one of the things when, when, <laughs> when, when, when you talked about women being more difficult, a lot of times the women will say, why didn't I hear from you this morning or things like that. You get that more from the woman than you do from men. Typically. I, I mean, I've definitely gotten that plenty from men. No, I'm not saying so. that guys don't do it. But there is a there is more of a needy aspect to women, uh, just genetically, than men. I mean, the men are much more shut down often, and they're more uh, uncommunicative. So, but in this case, it's just there's just a nice flow uh, to your guys' relationship. Yeah. That's, so that's far, a, so good. Yeah, that's a that's a really good tip, ladies and gentlemen. If if people aren't busting your balls. Uh, right out the gate, that's that's a good sign that maybe you know this is a chill person. This is a person that is uh, is centered and uh, at, at uh, relative peace with themselves. Those are the type of people that you want to hang around. Generally speaking, do you feel how much do you feel uh, pressure because of your expertise to bring that into your romantic situations? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, especially with a woman, right? Because I'm teaching guys how to be better in bed with women. So like <laughs> I've got to, I've got to like really be a master in that realm myself. So that way I can, you know, teach this to guys. So it's important to me. Like I actually feel more pressure when I'm having sex with a woman than I do when I'm having sex with men. Do you just blow women away? Are they, what do you, I mean, I know you blow guys away and, and, and blow guys. But when you're done with, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call, what, what should we call this girl? Let's make up a name so we can give her a name. Okay. Because um, I know I you don't want to reveal a real name because you don't like to do that. So, <laughs> <laughs> What is her name? Um, I don't know. <laughs> you come up with a name. Um, I'm going to come up with... Valerie, how about that? Uh, Do you like Valerie? No. All right, we're we're we're, we're, we're nixing Valerie. <laughs> how about I mean, how about? I feel like it has to be it has to be a name from you know that region of the world from, from like, Colombia. Um, how about Sophie Vergara? <laughs> Sophia Vergara. We can okay. We can do Sophia. All right. So all right, Sophia. I'm gonna think of Sophia Vergara every time I say. It. All right, so so Sophia, uh, how much uh, do you draw her in to a more tantric approach to sexuality? Yeah. So actually, just the last time that I was with her, I suggested and asked if she would be interested in learning tantra, and she said yes. So I'm really cautious about 
tantra tantric sex and i'm just like really going into those realms with people uh because it's it's very powerful and it's very intimate very connective and it's something that i have a lot of respect for and um don't i don't mess around with it so unless i'm you know, really interested in somebody and wanting to have deeper connection with them, then I don't usually have tantric sex. So, um, so yeah, we, I just brought it up kind of casually last time I saw her and she was excited and interested. So I'm sure we will begin exploring. And would that be something you would do personally or would you recommend resources or material for Sophia? Mm, No, I would. Yeah, I would. I would do it with her. Mm-hmm. And are you going to tell Sophia that her radio name or her podcast name is Sophia? <laughs> will she appreciate? Will she appreciate? Yeah, I'll will, let her know. <laughs> will, she, will, she, will she appreciate that? Does she know where she can get some good cocaine from Colombia? That's the next question. <laughs> that we've not discussed. Does Does she uh, speak English easily? Uh, it's her second language, and she's learning. Well, that must be kind of sexy, though. Yeah, she's very sexy. Mm-hmm. And when you and Sophia engage in sexual relations, will there be insertion devices? Will you put a strap on? On how does that go? Uh, so we haven't used a strap on. I'm I'm open to that, uh, but we have used like um, dildos. I really prefer like glass dildos mostly um so we use that and uh do you own a strap-on i do not own a strap-on no have you ever used a strap-on i have not well that's something that'll be fun to do maybe i know and then you could report that on the the next story time with sarah (laughs) (laughs) how'd that strap-on go uh i i I think that you would really enjoy uh having a dick i i I really do (laughs) That's what I think. I think that one of the um, greatest regrets of my life is that I will never get to really experience having a dick. So, yeah, you're right. I think I would probably enjoy it. No, I, I, there's, there's no doubt about it. Because uh, we know you, you've got huge balls as it is, so why not add a <laughs> penis to the situation? So, <laughs> so why do you enjoy a glass dildo more? Uh, well, they're sanitary for one, <laughs> they're a lot cleaner. Um, and I don't, I no longer use a vibrator, so um, that's also part of it. And I mean, I know you can get dildos that are not glass and that are also not vibrators, but I usually just don't use um, any type of prop in general, so. I have my glass dildo uh, that I use that I've used for like doing my own yoni massage work, uh, and so that's just what I have. Why don't you use a vibrator anymore? Uh, because it numbs my clit, and yeah, so I I gave up vibrators a while ago, and that was a rough road for a bit, but um, <laughs> I, I recovered. But yeah, I was like, I got. To, I just, I wanted to be able to have the same type of orgasm that I have with, had with vibrators, um, just with touch. And so, um, 
it took some time to like regain sensitivity and but yeah I don't I don't go back now that I've done that well <laughs> I say that except the other day I was using my Theragun and like because of, of like years of using the vibrator just that sound gets me really turned on <laughs> and i was using my theragun and i was like oh my god i just have to see what this would be like <laughs> and i was like fuck I mean, it was amazing but i was like i'm gonna be numb for like the next month thankfully i wasn't actually but um <laughs> So rules are made to be broken. I always I break my own rules regularly, but you know, in general, I I don't have any vibrators on on hand in my house. <laughs> How many times have you and Sophia made love thus far? Unique unique uh, unique sessions. I don't I don't remember. I mean, more than ten, less than ten. Um, probably more than ten. And in a typical time when you guys are together and you're being intimate. How many times will you have orgasm? I, I guess several. I don't know. I don't really count orgasms. Right, right. but but is is it just like a, a constant cum session? Guys, <laughs> just like coming over and over and over and oh, I mean, I would think that that kind of is one of the more unique aspects of woman on woman sex versus male on female sex. Is that both parties can just keep coming and coming and coming, where guys have to recover. Well, yeah, but you're also switching roles, right? So, like, sometimes I'm, like, pleasuring her, and then we switch. So, I'm not, like, necessarily coming when I'm eating her out. Right. But but you could do 69 that way, though, too, and then achieve orgasm. Yeah, habit. you could. For me, though, I've never gotten a ton of pleasure out of 69. Really? It's, yeah, I mean, I, I like the sensations, but I don't usually orgasm from that position. Why do you think that is? I don't know. That's very maybe interesting. I just, maybe I just haven't been with someone that does it very well. Maybe. Maybe, but it's I mean, it's such a it's for me, it's that is is that that's, that's such a pleasurable experience is the yen and the yang and the whole fucking thing. <laughs> I like it. I mean, it feels good, but I don't usually orgasm from that position. Mm -hmm. And is Sophia easily, uh, th does she easily orgasm? I, yeah. Like oh, so, so, so you're matched up that way. How concerned are you? For, and we could separate her out of this because you guys obviously have a connection and you've had connections with other men and women. How concerned are you when you turn them on to tantric that, plus, you know, you're just, the amazing Sarah Rose so that they may like fall in love with you and just be think that you are the greatest thing that God ever put on the earth. Well, that usually happens regardless of Tantra. So <laughs> just saying. All right. So, all right. So fine. Cause I have clients that are like this and I just always tell the guys they are going to fall in love with you. So just, you know, have a strategy of how to deal with that. So what's your strategy? Um, I don't know. Because I know it's, you, it's, you know, it's never easy. Like, right, you don't want to hurt people, of course. Yeah. Because exactly. that's, that's not you, and that's not why you do what you do. You want to you be a blessing in their lives. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think that's why I'm really cautious about relationships. You know, it's one thing to sleep with somebody, and it's another to really connect in relationship. So, you know, I'm, we're in a period right now of, like, okay, this has been going on for some time, and uh, is there compatibility? You know, I really look at all this stuff. Like, is there compatibility to move forward? And, um, you know, right now it's just, like, it's an easy connection, and that's very, very rare. It's You don't find that very often. Yeah, it's a numbers game. You got to play the numbers to have the best chance to find a, a smooth flowing interaction for sure. And sometimes you just get lucky, but you just might walk into a gay bar, wait, be waiting for your gay husband, and then you meet your next uh, your next date. You never your next know. gay wife. Your next gay <laughs> wife. <laughs> you got a gay husband and a gay wife now. No, no, no straight husband or straight wife. Oh, you are the straight wife. Oh, you're the bi wife. What are you? I'm, not, I'm the bi wife. <laughs> so, uh, are there other aspects uh, separating out uh, your story specifically? But are there? No, I want to ask this question first. Do you feel, as part of story time with Sarah, do you feel benefit almost like it's research for what you do as a men's sex coach when you're having sex with a woman? Well, yeah, I mean, it definitely helps the way that I teach, for sure. Helps me give guys more insight and everything. In what way? I mean, I def- yeah, I definitely have an advantage, you know, as a coach, as a coach, as a female coaching men. Like, first of all, I'm already in a female body, so I understand what it is to be female. Um, and then having worked with women professionally, I've worked with a lot of women professionally. uh, So I've got that insight to offer. And then also having sex with women gives me additional insight. So yeah, it's a rare combination that I'm able to offer to guys. What are the other points about women on women's sex that may have something to do with your, your experience personally, or just points that you wanted to make Uh, to the audience as we uh, close this segment of this quality podcast? Yeah, I'd say what I notice with women is that they really do want you to slow down, like a lot slower than most guys typically do things. Um, It feels better to them. So, uh, you know, and just really being open to communication about that, you know, and a lot of women aren't really willing to speak up because that's another part of the conditioning that we have as far as like not hurting the male ego. So most women will not tell a man the truth when it comes to sex. Uh, and so, um, that's why you need to learn from someone who will tell you the truth <laughs> because I guarantee you women are not. They just, there's a lot of fear that women have when it comes to male ego, because if, if for, you know, thousands of years, if women weren't supporting the male ego, like soothing the male ego, then they could have died. And so, um, you know, men are bigger, men are stronger. They've been more powerful. They've made more money. Women have had to have really had to like stroke the male ego. So, um, so that's definitely something to keep in mind. Uh, and 
so you got to slow down. Um, you got to have the right techniques as far as, you know, the clitoris. Like I like to do back and forth over the clitoris. Um, you can do in circles also. That's how, um, you know, it's taught in the one taste community is circular. Uh, and that, uh, does feel very good, but a lot of women, when they masturbate, it's more of a side to side motion. So if that is like how they're already programmed to orgasm, sometimes it's easier for them to orgasm that way. So trying that, uh, and what was your question again? No, if there's anything other aspects of woman on woman sex that you wanted to uh, explain to uh, the folks, um, as you know, it's obviously men are very intrigued, but women are listening too. Is there anything else that uh, stands out to you? One of the things I was wondering is what is, is there a parallel experience with a woman sexually to when a guy loses his heart on or has uh, erectile dysfunction? Mm, I well, I mean, some women like they don't get wet, uh, so and then that can make it that can make sex more painful for them. Um, and wetness does not always equate to attraction or arousal, so don't you know misunderstand that. You know, if a woman's not wet, there might be something else going on physiologically, like maybe even she took um, allergy medication, which you know, dries up all the mucous membranes, including vaginally, it can, you know, impact that. So there's a lot of different components into, you know, what goes into our sexuality. Um, but yeah, I'd say, you know, if a woman, or even if she just, you know, many guys, like, it's psychological, like they, maybe they're turned on, but then there's the stress of the actual sex itself. And so they lose their heart on, um, due to getting in their head, women get in their heads also and are not able to orgasm because of things, other things that they're thinking about, you know, wondering how she smells or tastes. Is he really into it? Is he bored? Um, that type of thing. So yeah, I think it equates in some ways. Who takes it harder for when a guy loses his heart on the woman who's engaged with him? Or the man who loses his erection? They both do. You know, women take it very personally. They think that he's not attracted to her and that, um, you know, she did something wrong. And guys are really embarrassed by what happened. So it's it's difficult for both parties. And unnecessary to, to feel icky about it. Just things happen. And yeah. Of course, if, if, if you're embarrassed and if you feel bad about it, it makes it worse. <laughs> it just makes the situation worse. And what, what, when I, because uh, I used to have this issue, um, and the woman that I was with um, the first time, and I lost my heart on uh, when we were having, uh, when she was riding me, and it just, it, it never is nice. It's, it's not a nice experience. But I knew this this particular woman was very experienced. And so at the end, when we were cleaning up, I said, uh, that's not the first time that's happened to you, is it? And she says, oh, it happens all the time. She's a very strong woman. She was, you know, really going after it. And I said, why is that? And so she explained her perspective, which is uh, that 
sexuality is an exchange of power and control. And she said, I won, you lost. That's, that's how it was, and so I lost, she said. So then I said, well, what should I have done? And she said, you should have flipped me back over, because I, I was in control up until that moment. She took control, I lost my heart on I'm sure there's the guys that are nodding right now, like, yeah, I can understand how that happened and it's happened to me. I said, what should I have done? She said, you should have just flipped me back over, retaken control, gone down on me, worried about my needs. She said, you would have come back. And as she said it, Sarah, I felt myself getting hard again. <laughs> I'm sure. And, and from that point on, not only have I used that with great success, but my clients have too. You get your mind off yourself, back onto your partner, and it just and then you're starting to please another person. That gets back to what we were talking uh, about about a half an hour ago. It is incredibly empowering when you are pleasing and satisfying another beautiful human. Yeah, it is. But I think it's also very powerful when a man can learn to accept and receive pleasure and that's something that uh, a lot of guys that go through man on fire find is that for the first time ever they're able to open up and receive in ways that they never were before you know because it's a woman wants to be able to be in that position also i mean i dated a guy just not for very long but he could only get a hard on being in the dominant position and for me that was a huge turnoff like i don't want to be with somebody that can only be the dominant like it's fine you know if if like i'm going to a dom and like that's what i'm going there for but if it's a relationship where there's you know like i want to I want to be able to be in that role. I want to be able to ride on top. And like, he couldn't even accept that. And so uh, for me, that was a deal killer. Yeah. Well, that, that's just what I'm talking about. You've got to be able to, uh, well, man on fire. I mean, that's all I can say. Go, go to the man on fire. That's, you'll, you'll, <laughs> that's it. That, that's the bottom line. All right. So the, the as we uh, dovetail into ask the professor, Mailbag segment. Ironically, these the the, the some correspondence to the professor this week are actually a continuation of story time with Sarah. Uh, th- this guy uh, messaged you and said, uh, "Hello, Sarah. How are you doing? Are you interested in a sugar daddy arrangement? <laughs> how how often do you get these?" I mean, I get shit like that all the time. And actually, so I like to try everything, right? I want to know because with my clients, I get so much from them. They're different experiences. You know, they come to me wanting to know if I've tried this or I've tried that. And so most of the time I'm like, yeah, because I've just tried it all, <laughs> you know? And so I did try a sugar daddy uh site once I went on and I was like, all right, I'm going to try this thing and see what it's all about. And I couldn't go through with it. Like it actually just really made me sick. (laughs) I'm my own fucking sugar daddy. (laughs) I don't, I do not want this. Uh, so it was not something that was, uh, fun for me. Um, and actually there's a, there's such an amazing for some reason this makes me think about this interview with Cher. I don't know if you've seen it, but um, 
she's being interviewed and you know she's talking she talks about men like she you know she doesn't need a man in her life oh i remember what it is her she says that her mother said to her um share when are you going to just marry when are you going to marry a rich man she says mom i am a rich man <laughs> <laughs> and so then the interviewer goes on to say you know um well, it sounds like that sounds like disrespectful or degrading men. Like you don't need men. And she's like, Oh no, men are like dessert. I don't need dessert, but I love dessert. I love men. <laughs> right. It's it, as I often say, it's amazing that there's any stray women left out there. How, how, how guys have fucked this up so bad, but they're there. And there well, are, or there's, <laughs> there's women like you that like both. that still like the dick. And it's not that you need us, but you still want us. That's amazing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I love men. And especially, like, I, I'm seriously so inspired by the guys that are in my Man on Fire program. They, just the, the leveling up that they are doing is so hot. Like, I see these guys in the program, and I'm just, I mean, I'm, always turned on but regardless i'm like i mean i'm just like lit up and turned on and really excited seeing good men become really empowered because that is what we need in the world we fucking need the good men to be strong to be confident to be in alignment with their core essence and that is what really excites me yeah who knew that this guy that was looking to potentially be your sugar daddy would inspire that little monologue <laughs> that was awesome it's and, and it's true i mean we can't we, we, we women need to be empowered obviously but men do too that's how that's how life ensues men and women walking in their natural and evolutionary biological imperatives and that's how it works and and we can't we can't do it with uh just one or the other it's just that it's just the bottom line here here's here's a uh correspondence you had on on the dating site you are on uh he said this guy said hi are you looking just for clients or dates too yeah, I get this one all the time because I'm on like several different dating sites and then they find my Instagram and, you know, they'll message me there because with the dating sites, like sometimes, I mean, a lot of time I just don't have time to get on there, but when I'm wanting to date, then I will, you know, and so, but it might be like six months goes by and I don't even get on one of the things. So they find my Instagram and then they send me this message. I get this one at least twice a week, you know, and it's like, dude, mind your own business for one. <laughs> you know, it's like it's my fucking life. It's my my page because, for because my profile you, you, you have on you the ha dating yeah, site. You haven't swept on them. They just found you, and then they can message you. Yeah, exactly. And it's like if I was wanting to date you, I would have sent you a message. <laughs> you know, like, so I don't know. It's. It, it gets that one definitely gets to me and it gets annoying and i think it's just because i get it so often and it feels somewhat um accusatory you know of like they're suspicious of me and i think that's why it irritates me because it's like just leave me the fuck alone like i'm i'm just a chick doing my thing and don't annoy me like that <laughs> 
And that's that. That's the point. Is so well taken. If you first of all, you're on a dating site, so that says something right there, because obviously you you don't have to promote uh, your tantric activation practice uh, via what dating sites. You can do it just the way you do it. So you're looking for dates, and and they have not been contacted by you. So therefore, at at least at this point, you're not interested in them. You would think if a if a guy was going to do that, Sarah. If he saw you on a dating site, found you on Instagram, what would be an effective approach to message you if if they were still interested, but you had not shown interest in them? Oh, yeah. I love this one, too, because then I'll get other ones where they'll, like, send me a message and ask me out on a date, but then they're their um, Instagram account is private. And so like all I can see is that tiny little, you know, picture inside the circle. And I know nothing about this person. Like I'm going to reply and be like, oh yeah, how's Friday? You know, <laughs> like what the fuck? Tell me something about yourself. Send me a picture, you know, like just like you would on a dating site. Like I'm, I'm a human and I'm not just like going to, I don't know. It's, and I'm clearly not desperate. So just because I was sent a message and, you know, know nothing about this person, I'm not going to say yes. I'm not even going to reply. I don't have time to reply. Right. The good news is that these are learnable skills. And when you do the work at the sex stallion training or the man on fire, um, you're going to learn a lot about yourself, but you're going to learn how to effectively approach women, both in communication, because at the end of the day, sexuality in all its facets is about communicating, but you got to start with yourself first. You got to be able to communicate with yourself first. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, on a previous mailbag segment, uh, we, we had the question come in from a guy that, uh, who asked you for some help. Hi, Sarah, I need some help, please. You said, hi, how can I help you? He said, can you help in my private part review? Oh, and, then, and then you said, you asked him, you want to send me a dick pic? <laughs> so, but we never heard what happened with that. Did, he, what, did, uh, did you ever hear back from him? Yeah, that guy's been really persistent, actually. Hold on, I'm trying to find the... Uh... Let me see if I can find that message real quick. Because he actually went to my other Instagram and said the same thing. And he, like, commented on um, photos on both pages about the same thing. Oh, my God. Okay. Let's see here. Opening it up. Oh, okay. There was a photo. I thought he just went ahead and sent a dick pic, but he did not. Um... (laughs) So he replied and said, any way you suggest, by the way, you're really beautiful. So, I mean, he was sweet. I am. Um, I did let him know that, um, all dick pics get submitted, um, to the, uh, album that will eventually become part of a coffee table book. So any guy that wants to be a part of that, <laughs> you still have to ask first because, it's actually illegal in um, the state of Texas now to send unsolicited dick pics. So um, I'm not sure which other states have hopped on board with that yet, but I know that it is a, a trend that is happening. So be aware, men, 
make sure you get permission before you send out any nudes. How many dick pics do you have in the collection thus far? I'm not sure. A hundred? Yeah. And are you seriously going to do a coffee table book? I seriously am. That is going to be really funny and a bestseller in <laughs> in, in the gay community. <laughs> women aren't going to want us. I mean, there'll be a few women, of course. But generally speaking, uh, your gay husband, Case Erickson, will be all over that, as will uh, many other wonderful gay men, I'm sure. If nothing else, it will just go in, you know, the museum exhibition about me someday. It's, exactly. And it's, it's, and it's funny <laughs> as fuck, too. It's a great idea. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so let, let's uh, remind everybody that if you, you have questions for Sarah, whether it be personal questions or questions you want to address on the show, it is uh, hello at tantricactivation.com. That's the uh, email address. Hello at tantricactivation.com. Of course, you can contact her via the Instagram with the same handle. And uh, the website, again, is tantricactivation.com. Let's play some Aaron Hickok. Cards for humanity. Let's talk about sex. How about that? Let's do it. The, the uh, episode with Eric, uh, or with Eric, with Aaron last uh, week was just f- so much fun. It was, God damn, I love that woman. She's awesome. Yeah, she, it was a really well-received show and uh, so much fun. Did you guys talk about the show after the fact? No, she and I are both so incredibly busy. Unfortunately, we don't get to connect. Well, hopefully she heard the show because she was terrific and so much just vibrant information that very usable for people. And uh, it was great. So if you haven't heard that one, that was episode 12, uh, Games for Humanity with Erin Hickok. So she has basically a card, uh, and as, as she said on the program, it was an antidote for cards against humanity. So it's very positive. She's got four decks now. It's, it's a, it's a, you can get it on Amazon. It's a beautiful thing. So the, the, all these uh, cards are, are color-coded co- uh, to uh, reference the different chakras. So uh, this one is green. I, I referenced it earlier. And it says, I practice self-love by blank. I practice yes. self-love oh, by... Um, and just so you know, the heart uh, chakra is the green ch- associated with the color green. So that's the chakra we're looking at. Uh, my self-love practice is um, I actually do doing the same tantric practices that I lead all my clients through. Uh, so that's my, my morning routine and ritual is to get up and spend... 20 to 25 minutes doing um, my own self practices. And you do it every morning? Most mornings, yeah. Mm-hmm. And how often do you get up and just don't want to do it, but you make yourself do it and then you feel a shitload better after the fact? You know, it depends on the practice. Some of them uh, I still have resistance come up to. You know, that's the thing with working with subconscious and unconscious, like, you know, the the cortex does not want to release control. Um, and so it will come up with every excuse of why I shouldn't do a certain practice that it knows is going to be delving in there. 
more deeply, bringing up some more stuff. Uh, and so, you know, the, the resistance component of it, while it's a lot less than it used to be, it definitely can still show up. And, um, you know, and there are mornings that I'm just so freaking tired and it's like, I wish I could sleep this extra 25 minutes. Um, so it's there, but it's so worth it. It changes, it changes everything. It completely changes my life. I mean, the life that I'm living right now today is a result of these practices and um, particularly sex magic because uh, that is where I really focus in on um, creation like the create creating the life that I want to be living so a lot of the practices I do they'll be like developing self-love um, you know nurturing myself if I've been really stressed out nurturing soothing my nervous system things like that, or, um, you know, just deep meditation, uh, working with more of, you know, just the different layers. There's so many layers to the brain and, you know, all the stuff that we have buried deep in there. Uh, and the more that I, I grow in my business, new challenges develop. And so I use these practices to help navigate my life. Uh, and like with sex magic, that's where I'll be like, okay, I've achieved a certain goal in my life and now I have a new goal and I'll use uh, sex magic to help me achieve that new goal. So um, I've been doing a lot of sex magic lately because um, I'm in a new place with my business and wanting to go um, in new directions. So That's Sarah's story and she's sticking to it. 